And our only goal with this podcast is to help you feel more awesome each time you listen. Whether it's by laughing at us, laughing with us, or learning something new and helpful, we hope you feel a tad more empowered, lightened up, and awesome than you did before. I'm here with the one, the only, the sexy, the talented, the sweet, the we just hung out in the hot tub on a Wednesday morning, Mr. Eric Robertson. Hello. We did. We took the kids to school, and then instead of doing the podcast, we got in the hot tub. I felt like we were getting away with something. We were getting away with something. Hot tub club! (laughs) No kids club. We're not trying to rub it in your face that we were just in the hot tub. I just want you to, you know, maybe take some of my relaxed energy and, and, you know, and just take it for yourself. It's yours. I am so, so, so excited about this episode. It is episode 97, and we are going to take you to heaven with Marie Forleo. Everything is figureoutable. So I absolutely adore Marie so much. It was such an honor to have her on the podcast. And her book came out this week called Everything is Figureoutable. And I'm going to tell you just a little bit about that. But first, it's a big week for me, too. Let's bring it back to me, Eric. Yeah, yeah. Right now, we are doing a three day blitz for Allison's Brand School Build an Awesome Brand Workshop. We are taking it on the road for the very first time in this capacity, and we are going to, drumroll, Arizona. Now we are... (laughs) Thanks for just nodding your head like that. (laughs) We are doing things a little bit differently, and we're going to be changing the workshop around. And so the ticket prices have increased, but I didn't want to leave you guys high and dry. So September 11th, 12th, and 13th, we are doing a three-day ticket blitz where you can save over $400 on your Build an Awesome Brand workshop. Arizona is going to be fabulous. It's on November 11th. We absolutely want you there. And like I said, I'm always changing things up. got a lot of exciting things coming up in the Allison show and in Allison's brand school. And this really is going to be one of the last times you're going to be able to access brand school in this capacity. So if you have a message, an idea, a project, a business, something in you that you need clarity and you need direction and you want to take it to the next level, you're definitely going to want to check out Allison's brand school, build an awesome brand workshop. And you can do that by texting early bird blitz, B-L-I-T-Z, all one word, to 31996, or you can hop on allisonsbrandschool.com and look for the workshop. I love that we're talking about the workshop because it's something that means so much to me. And right as I was getting started with the workshop, I came across this woman named Marie Forleo. And I'll tell you a little bit about Marie if you aren't familiar with her. She's a born and raised Jersey girl. Jersey Marie is one of my favorite characters. And she had nothing more than passion and a laptop, and she created this huge huge digital empire that inspires millions. She hangs out with people like Oprah, and she has an award-winning show with over 48 million views on the internet. She also has her Marie Forleo podcast, and she talks about how to build a business and a life that you love. So obviously, Marie and I have a ton in common, and I was super excited to get early access to her book, Everything is Figureoutable. It is such an amazing title, and as I share with Marie... As I continued reading the book, it just resonated with me more and more. So you're 
definitely not only going to want to get the Everything is Figure Outable book, but check out Marie Forleo all around the internet. That's F-O-R-L-E-O. And how I'm going to start this episode is by sharing with Marie how I came across her and found her on the internet. And then look, we came together and it's beautiful. My dad had just been diagnosed with terminal cancer and it was something that was so, I felt like was such an an important message. It was something that I wanted to speak on. You're, you had like three tips and they were so beautiful. And then of course, because your business is so amazing from there, you know, I got into the emails. I ended up buying B school. I mean, man, you're, you're very effective, Marie. You're very effective. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I, I believe in what I do. And so we get really passionate about it, which I know is a quality that you and I share because you're so passionate about what you do. And, and by the way, I just want to add in, I'm, I'm so sorry about your dad. Well, thank you. And he's doing, cancer is in a good place right now, but especially when you're in those low moments and somebody throws you a lifeline, it can just mean so much. So I just wanted to thank you for that. I like bringing that up because that may or may not be when people hear Marie Forleo, they may or may not think, oh, somebody who's giving advice on how to handle hard conversations and when people give you hard news. But like me, you span and cover so many topics. And then you wrote this beautiful book, Everything is Figure Outable. And I just want to know, because you have so much to say, you have so many online years of wisdom, you teach and talk so much. How did you land on this message? I know it's not your first book, but it's your first book in a while, correct? Yeah, correct. That's very correct. So in terms of the message and the timing, we can take both of those. The message is really something that I've been teaching and talking about for pretty much the span of my career, which is about two decades at this point. But I didn't realize how pivotal and instrumental it was to everything that I teach. And frankly, Allison, everything that I've done in my life. I mean, every time I run into a tough spot, whether it's in my personal life, in my relationships, in my business, with my health, anything, it is the one notion, the mantra, the idea, the conviction, the belief that helps me pick myself back up and look for a way to move forward. And sometimes those, you know, moving forward looks like baby steps. Sometimes it looks like a massive change, but whatever it is, when I started to really reflect and and think about how can I put uh, ideas into a book and frame them in a way where I feel like I can help people get the most benefit from whatever they're creating in their life, this was the idea. And to tie it back even further, in 2016, uh, I was at an event with the OWN team, so Oprah Winfrey Network. And um, I was so honored to be there. Of course, I had already done Super Soul Sunday. And Sherry Salata, who at the time was the co-president, she came up to me and she said, Hey, Marie, she said, are you free on April 9th of uh, 20, you know, 16 or 17 or whatever the year was? And I was like, hell yes, I am. Why are you asking? And so, <laughs> you know, Oprah's putting on uh, her new platform, which is called Super Soul uh, Conversations. And it's, it's basically a one-day event that we're having nine speakers. Oprah's one of them. And we'd like you to be one of them. And Allison, I was like jumping up and down and absolutely the, not the coolest person ever. I was like, oh, hell yes. Like I am doing this. Only response when Oprah's is, involved. I right. mean, yeah. So I was really excited. And, uh, you know, of course, then the topic came up. Well, what is the topic of your talk? And this idea just kind of surfaced in my mental theater. And I thought about it. I said, you know, if I can tell like an Oprah style, 18 minute, 20 minute TED talk 
on this one notion. And if it feels really good in my body and it's well-received, that is my green light to say, this is the book. Because I had Mm. been being courted by agents and publishers literally for years. And I kept saying, hey, I'm so appreciative. I'm honored, but I don't want to write a book right now. I have a lot of other priorities. You know, there's other projects I'm working on and um, thank you, but no thank you. So I've been batting people away for a long time, but then this felt like it was the right idea. So after I did that Oprah talk and it felt really right in my bones and the reception was awesome, I was like, okay, this is what I want the book to be about. So that was kind of the decision process. And in terms of why I haven't written a book um, in so long, over a decade, here's the truth. I love being in control of everything I do. I like having control. I like deciding things. And when I wrote my first book, which I self-published, by the way, Allison, it was first an ebook. And this is back in the early 2000s when ebooks were like mind-blowing. No one had ever heard that you can actually put a book in a PDF before. Again, that time did exist. Then I self-published. So it was actually a printed book and I worked my tail off. I saved up all this money to do an initial print run to make it look as as professional as possible because even back then, a lot of self-published books looked really janky and I didn't want it to be janky. I sold about 8,000 copies of that first book. Then I sold it to a big New York publisher, McGraw-Hill. And God bless McGraw-Hill because they took on my book. However, my experience was this. They said, hey, look, this is a great idea. You know, we want to have at least 20% new content. We want to freshen it up and we want to adjust your title and subtitle. And I was like, hold up a second. What are you talking about? My original subtitle, well, the original title was Make Every Man Want You. And the subtitle was How to Be So Damn Irresistible You'll Barely Keep From Dating Yourself. But here's the thing, Allison. It was Make Every Man Want You or Make Yours Want You More because The material in that book was adequate and appropriate for people who are in the dating phase or people who are in a significant relationship and yeah. their uh, their boyfriend or their you know their fiance or their husband to fall even more in love with them. And by the way, it's a sassy title, but it's all about power of being present. I just packaged it in a really kind of fun and cheeky way because I was in my early 20s and that's what we friggin' do when we're in our early 20s. I love it. I mean, there's so many good principles there. Lately, I've been obsessed with helping people reformat their dating profiles. Mm-hmm. They're the, the same principles, right? Like- that's right. But the thing was, they basically said, we know who your audience is. You don't. They kind of Mm -hmm. took the cover art that I wanted and and changed a bunch of things. And I just got so soured. I was like, wait a minute, that's my baby. Like I worked on that. How are you telling me what I already know and I've been working my buns off for? So having the experience of doing so much work on a project and then having someone else swoop in and say, no, we're going to change all these things that you don't agree with and you don't have any say in. I was like, all right, y'all publishing, you can hang out over there. God bless you. I respect you. But for the next day, Decade, I'm just going to run my own show and because that's how mama likes to roll. So that's why it's taken me so long. And now I have the most amazing publishing partners, uh, Portfolio, who's part of Penguin Random House, and they have been the most beautiful collaborators ever. I absolutely love because you started with, you know, kind of pitching the idea with your Oprah talk that you then have all of this you know, evidence from readers and from people. I actually even remember the email or the call you sent out asking for people's experiences with everything figure outable. And so it it was fun to like see that call go out and then to get the book. And I'm not going to lie. I felt super special to get like an early copy of your book and then see those stories, which are are super inspiring of how people take this principle of everything is figure outable. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for sharing that background of, are you glad that you waited the 10 years? Yes. 
I am absolutely. And you know, I want to say this because I think your listeners may appreciate this and maybe you can even relate, Allison. I think sometimes in our current world where so many of us spend time on social media and you know, we're paying attention to our friends and our peers, we can look around and think that everyone else is so far ahead of us mm-hmm. and they're doing things that perhaps we want to do. And we may get caught up in a conversation in our mind that says, oh gosh, I'm so far behind. I should be doing X, Y, and Z. So and so is doing X, Y, and Z. And I had those thoughts, Allison, for so long. So many of my yeah. dear friends, so many people that I love and respect and admire, uh, you know, they're coming out with another book and another book. And I remember thinking to myself, like, goodness, is something just wrong with me? But I will tell you at the same time, I am a really focused person. And I also marched to the beat of my own drummer. I'm always off as a misfit on the side, just doing different things than most other people are doing. While I navigated some of that inner chatter about how I must not be that good because I'm not cranking out you know, a book every year or coming out with one mm. after the other, when I really stand back now, the story of my life has been about quality over quantity and having deep faith in my own timing and process and trusting my instincts. And I am so happy, Allison, that I did because this book is the book that I really wanted to write. And earlier, if I would have succumbed to the peer pressure or some type of um, fear, scarcity based in competitiveness that, oh, I need to just put a book out, I can guarantee you um, it wouldn't feel nearly as satisfying or as fun as it does right now. I'm so happy for you because... Man, like, especially as somebody who can relate to control. (laughs) I mean, I think everyone can relate to that need for control, but especially individuals like you and I, where like, we need that control so much. We've created our, not only our own businesses, but almost our own mini industries within the business. You know, a book is something that you put out. And when you put it out, I think that's what's always scared me about a book is you put it out and like, that is a big chunk of something to put out, right? So to be able to put that out and not be able to control control how people read it and perceive it and what they do with it and how people talk about it and the reviews. And I mean, of course you put yourself out there online. This like takes it to a whole other level, but to be able to put that out and to feel so good on it, good about what you've put out that it almost, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what the feedback is. Well, that's right. And I think one of the things that you and I and both have learned and hopefully folks listening, they've seen this too. The most beautiful pieces of art in the world, whether it's from the world of books, uh, nonfiction, or fiction, it's television shows, it's music, it's concerts, it's fine art. Uh, You can just go down the line. You can even look at businesses and industry and brands. There are people who absolutely love certain expressions. And you'll often find, especially with things that are beloved, a whole crew of people who can't stand that thing. And many times you're like, wait, are we talking about, you know, the same album (laughs) or the same video or the same TV show? And the truth is not everyone is going to love you. And that's just a fact of life. And that doesn't mean anything is wrong with you or wrong with them. I think the diversity of perspectives and tastes and styles and desires and where people are on their journey, that's kind of what makes the world go round. So if you can depersonalize it and you can recognize that, you know, in a world with 7.7 and counting billion people, there are going to be those who your message is absolutely perfect for. And the ones who it's not, that's okay because there's another teacher, there's another restaurant, there's another TV show that will perfectly serve them. And I think that's some big medicine for most of us to understand and to take and to lean into. You know, Seth Godin, who um, is 
uh, wildly a friend of mine. He taught me one of the most brilliant things. I think he's written over 17 books. I might have it. I've said this before that if Seth Godin would just put his face on a t-shirt, I would proudly wear it. Absolutely. In fact, I'm going to make my own. I'll send you one. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, Seth is, and here's one of the greatest things about him because I had followed his work for so long. And then when I had the opportunity to get to know him personally, I told him this, and I've said this on our show when he's been on, I'm like, you're even better in real life. I mean, he's amazing as you know him through his work, but even when you know him personally, he's even more magical. But he taught me this. He's like, Marie, I don't read my reviews. I don't. There's nothing good that can come of that. My job is to simply keep doing the work, is to do the work that I believe, you know, can move the needle. And of course, I'm paraphrasing his sentiment. But the point was, he doesn't look at reviews. And I was like, that is some damn smart wisdom. It's like, do the work, serve the people who you're meant to serve, pay attention to the folks who you are dedicated to supporting, to helping them make the change that they wish to experience in the life and stay in that crew. And that doesn't mean that you're so sensitive or fragile that you don't take and understand constructive criticism that could help you grow. But I think there is a huge distinction between constructive criticism from people who actually want you to win and who see what you're creating and have a desire for you and the work to get even better versus vitriol, versus hate, versus destructive comments that really provide no value and are from people whose opinion you don't care about, who you don't seek to serve, who aren't actually in there doing the work, being vulnerable, risking their hearts uh, and and you know what I mean? And, and they're putting yeah. everything on the line. So I think it's just important to understand those nuances. And books are a great way also to just share a message to a wider audience. As big as the internet is, I'm still a person who loves good old-fashioned books. I love the smell of them. I love going into libraries. I love being surrounded by physical books. And so I think um, there's something really beautiful about the analog too. Oh, I absolutely love that. And that's one thing that I love that you do on Marie TV is you interview authors. And, and I love books too. And I love so much. I mean, it just speaks to your character. I love that you practice what you preach, but you love books. So you created a book. I think that's really beautiful. One thing that you've talked about a little bit that I absolutely love is like you said, following your intuition with this book, not just what it was about, this beautiful message of everything is figure outable, but when to do it, not following the timeline and the pressure, especially with what we do and putting stuff online, that pressure of you're missing out, you're falling behind, are the publishers going to be, are the publishers that are knocking on your door now, are they still going to be there in a couple years? And that's, that's a theme that you talk on in your book a lot throughout the book that I really like that small voice, your intuition in the beginning from abandoning successful careers because they don't quite feel right, taking a trip to South America. I, I really love that. And I get a lot of questions and I know you do too about intuition and that small voice. I really trust my intuition at this point in my life. It's something I've really worked on and honed. And I've had an interesting experience this year where I've followed my intuition. I do not doubt it. And then certain things just did not turn out as anticipated. Yeah. And it can start to shake your confidence and your intuition. So any, any, I like to ask long, complicated questions so that you can grab onto any part of it that resonates with you. If you have any experience in that or just your perspective. Yeah, of course. So in terms of that, stall, that still small voice, one of the things besides everything is figure outable that my mom really did a brilliant job at drilling into me since I was really young was the fact that each of us has this internal GPS, this natural knowing, this connection to higher wisdom. So uh, as some context, you know, my mom grew up in a 
Catholic school. So there was always kind of a religious context to what she would explain to me is like, hey, you have a direct line to God. And for anyone listening who doesn't believe in God, or it doesn't matter what you believe in, I still think this is relevant because it is a connection to a higher source of intelligence that all of us can tap into. So yeah. she would explain this to me like, hey, if you're walking down the street and a, you know a car comes and slows down and says, hey, little girl, do you want to get in and have some candy? She was like, listen to that small voice. If it says run, you freaking <laughs> run. So yeah. it was always um, put into the place of like keeping me safe or helping me know what to do. But when I got older, it really started to serve me to pay attention to what was happening inside, to the messages, the images, the kind of small whispers from my soul versus what the external world was telling me. And I think one of the greatest things that I try and support people in helping them hear their own inner voice. Because we live in a world that's filled with so much static, you know, on a technological level, there's so much incoming data. We're, you know, looking at our screens and our phones hours and hours a day. So you're constantly taking in the opinions, you know, societal norms and mores of what everyone else says you should do. And a lot of people have lost touch with their internal compass. So it's something that you can develop. It's a skill like anything else, just like you can learn how to do a push up. You can absolutely learn to strengthen your ability to hear, listen to, and abide by your intuition. I think uh, meditation is a really good way to practice that. I also think looking back through your own history and doing a little bit of excavation to see where in your past you can detect where something popped up for you, where you're at a crossroads, you know, should you say yes to this job or no to this job? Should you go on this date or not go on this date? Should you say yes to this partnership or no to this partnership? And the lure of whether it was you know, someone liking you, approval, money, the promise of prestige forced you to override that little red flag that was going off and you mm. regretted it later. So I think we can start to excavate, ah, that's what my intuition sounds like. That's what it felt like. Oh, this is what happened when I overrode it. I paid the price. That's one way that we can start to pay more attention to it. But in terms of trusting our intuition, I think there's another good distinction we can talk about quickly, which is about understanding the difference between fear and intuition. Because a lot of people have asked me, Allison, you know, well, how do I know, you know, what my intuition is telling me to do to say yes or no? Or is this really normal fear because I'm scared to move ahead because I don't want to yeah. make a fool out of myself or because I'm afraid of losing money or because I'm afraid of, you know, saying something or doing something or messing up my family or, you know, taking a left turn in my career that I can't recover from. And here's always my advice. And again, it's about turning inside rather than outside. So the way to tell the difference between fear and intuition is this simple test. Whenever you're faced with a fork in the road or some situation where you don't know which way to go, get really quiet, close your eyes, take a few deep breaths. You're going to ask yourself, does the idea of moving forward with X, Y, or Z or saying yes to this opportunity make me feel expansive or contracted? The moment you ask that question, your body is going to respond. It's going to have a very subtle uh, reaction to that question, but you have to pay attention to it. What's happening internally, the sensation. So expansive, even though it might be scary, will feel like either your body moves ever so slightly ahead, or you feel a sense of lightning, excitement, maybe some joy, maybe a little bit of anticipation. Even though it doesn't make sense, your body is responding with a sense of oh, like that. 
contracted, even if this opportunity makes sense on paper, like somebody's giving you this big publishing deal or, oh my goodness, how could you turn down this opportunity? Anyone else would kill for this. But when you ask yourself that question, something in you feels the ever so slight feeling of dread, or you feel a pit in your stomach, or something starts to pull back or your shoulders hunch down. I think we've all had those experiences, right? Where it's super, super subtle. And so obviously, if you start to sense any type of contraction, any type of dread, any type of saying no, even if it's on a physical level, that's your intuition telling you to stay away. And if you sense a feeling of expansion, excitement, the tinglings of joy, that's a spark to go ahead. Oh, I, I I love that. And can I can I plug your book really yes, quick? Yes. Um, that is an exercise you shared in your book yes. that I was I was on an airplane and as I was reading it and I I put the book down and I stopped and I did that exercise. I love it so much because I testify to its effectiveness. There's that pause. There's that that pause before the reason kicks in. Yes. And that's what that exercise helps you taps into. And your book is friggin' chock full of exercises like that, that are actionable exercises, actionable questions, actionable prompts, journal. I, I mean, I love your insight to action sections. Um, and so you definitely, like you have to buy the book because if you liked what she just shared right there, like there's an entire book of it just waiting for you. Oh, okay, now thank you. Now, now let's talk about me. Let's talk yes. about me. And, <laughs> and for all of us, right? Because when we yeah. we believe and we have probably followed our intuition, rightfully so. So I don't want to contextualize this and necessarily that the intuition is wrong, but we have to yeah. almost see it from a larger perspective. This is always the analogy that I like to share because I've seen it useful in my life as well. It's almost if, if you went into the movie theater, you have your big bowl of popcorn and you're sitting there and you're so excited about the movie and it's going good, it's going good and you're loving it. And then all of a sudden, the main characters hit massive conflict. Everything's blowing up. We don't know what's wrong. It's like, wait a minute, what happened here? If you walked out of the theater mid-movie, you would just be like, oh, they're losers. They couldn't figure it out. That's it, it's done. So Allison, what may be happening right now is we're just mid-movie with you. But I don't want to wait. I know. I know. That's for all of us. That's for all of us. But there may be, again, what if, and this is just a consideration. You don't have to say yes to this, but this is a, a worthy question to ask. What if your intuition led you down this path? It didn't turn out the way that you were hoping or anticipating, but what's actually coming later is either some gift, some lesson, or some strength that you will look back on and say, oh my goodness, I would not have anticipated. We would have taken this painful spirally path here, but it was worth it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not crying. You're crying, but... (laughs) But like, I just, I I feel that to my core so hard because immediately what I do is that beautiful exercise you provided earlier where I ask myself, do I have evidence of that ever happening before in my life? And, you know, I've also, I've, I've been here for a minute and I can thankfully say, yes, I have absolute evidence of that happening in my life. It's just really hard to be patient. How do you, how do you be patient? Because I know you're as intense as I am. Yeah. (laughs) So I think, I think it's this. I think it's a few things, right? And everyone has their own recipe for how they ride the waves of feeling like, oh, it's not happening yet. Oh, it's not done yet. And you know, the closest thing I have to this, Allison, is when I was in the middle of the book and legitimately going like, you know, 
I think I'm going to send the check back to the publisher because it's hard and I have all these other things I could do. Besides with my book right now, I'm yeah. it's like almost done and I like basically know what it says. So I'm like bored by it. And people probably, your book is really good. So like they could just, I could just recommend your book. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's understanding kind of the messy middle. And I think it's also yeah. recognizing kind of a cosmic truth that we're always in transition. Mm. Always, always in transition. And always so, in transition. Let's chat to that, right? I mean, it's, it's the truth. And and whenever I find myself getting looped into a, a mindset or a framework that there's an end point, I have to check myself before I wreck myself and say, hey, Marie, it's all journey. The whole yeah. entire thing is all journey. So if yeah. I don't practice intentionally. And again, this is just like mind training, right? If I don't practice intentionally bringing as much joy as I possibly can muster to the day-to-day process, I'm going to come to the end of my life and regret and look back and go, it was all journey. Why did you not party more, even in the tough spots? Why did you not appreciate more? Even when things, you didn't know what the hell was going on and it was really tough. Why didn't you take those moments to just savor the relationships? the connections with family, those moments of joy that you can find in the pockets when you're not beating your head against the wall trying to make something happen. So I just try my best to keep that perspective. I'm not perfect at it, but those are the reminders that really help me to have patience and to really enjoy the journey as I'm on it. I absolutely love that. Can I backtrack just a minute? Cause I'm loving this. It's so easy. People are listening. And it was funny because when I was thinking about how excited I was to talk to you, I kept saying your name in an Oprah voice. Marie Forley, like, and I was like, but she's talked, but but she knows Oprah. She's talked to Oprah. I can't use an Oprah voice. And so it's 2016. You've been asked to share a message, and like you said, if this gains traction, this could be my book. Yes. How did you not put? So, and aside from that, like my mind is blown because one, you're talking on a stage, an Oprah stage, whole, like, holy crap, right? Two, you're like, oh, I'll see if this game tra- gains traction. I'm going to experiment with this. <laughs> Again, it's something that you've been talking about. It's true to your soul, correct? Yes, correct. Um, how did you not overly place so much importance on that that you just paralyzed yourself? Do you see what I'm getting at here? Even with like choosing your book and especially when these big, decisions come up, we can place so much importance that we're paralyzed. So like, I just want to know, like you're back there, you're looking so sexy, your hair is looking so good. And you're like, what are you saying to not psych yourself out so much? Well, I think for me, the thing that I always strive to focus on, especially when I'm in any position to speak or to share, even like with this, our conversation right now is how can I be of service? How can I keep my attention on the folks that I'm here who have granted me the privilege of their time, which which is an extraordinary gift and honor. And how can I do my very best for them? How can I be here with an open heart, connect with them, share things that I believe genuinely down to my bones are going to be helpful. And when I keep my attention there, Allison, there's no space for anything else. I really can't psych myself out. The other thing is this, you know, you had said, I've, I've been around for a minute, right? Like you're not a, <laughs> necessarily like a newbie just kind of popped yeah. out of, uh, of high school. Uh, one of the 
gifts of time is perspective and seeing that over the course of your career, you know, I've had folks ask me before and it's understandable, like, oh, what was the big moment for you? What was the moment when everything changed? I'm like, that's actually a myth. There's no one moment. My entire career has been brick by brick, day by day, opportunity by opportunity. And there was never one pivotal moment. Are there these incredible uh, experiences where I'm really grateful for them? Yes. But I know the numbers. I know the data. I know the trajectory of my business. I see the back end. And I can say truthfully that there is not one thing that did it. It is the cumulative impact Mm -hmm. of small steps every day. And that's never what we humans want to hear because we want it to be more glamorous. We want to believe that there's like a breakout moment, you know, and and maybe even on on some level, this isn't even true. You know, if you look at actors that are like, oh, their breakout role is X, Y, and Z. But my partner actually is an actor and I know many actors. And you know what? Most of them have been busting their ass for years doing all kinds of gigs, working all kinds of shows, and they've been honing their craft and building, building, building. And sure, maybe people recognize them from one role, but they didn't usually come out of nowhere. Not people that have sustainable lasting careers, at least. Yeah. And you know what? Even when you say that, there's a couple of things that I love, that perspective. And I want to touch on that. But I also, I'm just obsessed with your husband, especially in Younger. Yeah. The role that he he's a dad in Younger. And I remember watching that and I'm like, oh, I think that's Marie Forleo's husband, like putting it together. And his sense of humor in that role, I was like, okay, that relationship just makes so much sense. Yeah. But when I, when I was reading your book and you reference somebody recognizes him from law and order, yeah. right? It's, yes. it's, it's a subjective perspective of like, what might be your breakout role to me, Marie, somebody else is going to have a completely different opinion of what your breakout or what your, your big time, big moment was. That's right. right. And they're all stories that we tell ourselves that may have no relevance in actual truth. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it's just all so relative. This is when I go into my nothing really matters. I just start singing Bohemian Rhapsody. I love it. Um, okay. So one thing that you talk about in your book, and this is something that I've always been so impressed with by you, it is your ability to have such global perspective. And towards the end of your book, this idea of go beyond yourself, think in terms of we, not me. You do amazing charity work. Even in your book, you have so many really diverse global perspectives and stories that you bring to the table to help illustrate the principles that you teach. I just would love to know how that was instilled in you or how you've worked to cultivate that because I've realized it's so easy to be, especially you run your own business, you choose the people that you interview, you choose the people that, and I'm in the same scenario, I choose the people I hire. We choose so much in our lives. How did you learn to keep and build this big, broad perspective? Was that something you've always you've always thought like that? Or is it something that there was like something that happened that kind of triggered it for you? Because you do you do a really beautiful job at that. Thank you. Well, when I first had the notion to have a business, it was a desire to not just work with people that were in New York City or New Jersey, for example. I grew up in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I always had the dream, and this is when the internet was first becoming a thing, right? So we're taking it back. When I started my business, it was like the year 2000, and it's 2019 right now. So the internet was really this incredible technology that started to broaden my own perspective. Because as a kid, you know, uh, we traveled, 
but we went to Lake Disney World. We went to the Jersey Shore. Like we didn't go overseas at all. So I wasn't really exposed to anything from that perspective. But I had this dream to say, you know, I wish that I could connect with people all around the world and share these ideas Mm -hmm. that I think could really help. And from that, that was kind of like that little string that when I started to pull that string, I started to learn more about different places around the world and then started to understand what um, I I talk about a little bit in the book, but it's basically as a white woman in the United States, I have won what Warren Buffett expertly calls the ovarian lottery. By no merit of my own, I was born into a country, into a family where there's running water. I had shelter. I had access to healthcare. I received an education. And, uh, you know, there's so many other of these privileges that, again, I didn't do anything to earn. And then when you start to understand different parts of the country, when you start to understand that there's almost a billion people that don't have access to clean water, and you start to learn about the inequality uh, on so many different levels, and you start to see, well, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. You know, like this is, there's gonna be, there's, there's more that we can do to support each other. And so that perspective, to answer your question, just started to develop the more I started to pay attention. And, you know, the, the first person, Allison, I think you'll appreciate this. When I first wrote my first book, which was an ebook, I was bartending at the time. I was struggling to build my coaching practice. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I was so insecure. I was so young, but I did figure out how to get that damn ebook up there. And the first person that bought it was a woman in Spain. And I had come home from my bartending shift and I was like, I made a sale. I was not sitting at my computer. I was not working. And someone you know, across the planet just bought something I created. So there were so many implications from that one moment. First of all, that was my first taste of quote unquote passive income. And I use bunny kids there because no income is passive. I want to, I want to have like an out, like a conference on the BS of passive income. So that for another day, but uh, sign me. Yes, but it was leveraged, right? I was actually yeah. at the bar slinging drinks, earning money, while at the same time, you know, just like with a book, right? The the, the work yeah. you do, then the royalties hopefully will come in. So so there is such yeah. a thing as leveraged income. Anywho, but what's more important to me though was that I could be touched and touch a person on the other side of the world who I had never met. So those kinds of experiences just started exposing me to um, just the reality of planet Earth earth right now. And the reality of how many millions and billions of people struggle that don't have access to education. You know, there's a great quote that I try and live my life by that talent is universal and opportunity is not. So it's always been a part of our company to try and find ways. That's why Marie TV is free. That's why our podcast is free. That's why our email is free. You know, I've been creating what we try and strive for, like the highest quality content we possibly can for 20 years and sharing it for free. Of course, we have to make money because we are a business. So we have other offerings and those are expensive, but worth it.com. However, I just believe that there is a way for each of us, especially as business owners to do what we do in a way that serves not just ourselves, not just our pocketbooks, not just our employees or our customers, but greater society at large. So I think that if you have eyes and ears and a heart and you actually look and you don't turn away from the pain of other people, you see incredible opportunity to 
make a difference. And it's humbling. And I think that so many of us, right? And it doesn't matter what circumstances you're born in. Like if you had running water, if you had a roof over your head, if someone fed you, which is all true because someone's listening right now, that's the only way you can be listening right now. You actually have incredible opportunities to take a look around, to be grateful and go, well, who else might need my help? What else can I do to improve the lot of someone who didn't win the ovarian lottery, so to speak? And, And how can I use my life and my gifts and my resources to make this a more just and equitable world? I love that. And you know, I just, I can really see how that beautiful perspective, that broad perspective that you're employing, that's helping you connect to the world around you. It's that same perspective that enables you to get up on stage and kick ass and not let it pull you under with anxiety and fear. And so it's it's really cool to, to see those themes pull through in your life. And I love that. If I was going to sum up your work and your book, it's definitely everything is figure outable, which I, my emotional journey with everything is figure outable is I'm like, oh, such a good title. Love it. Oh, this is great. Oh, yes. I love this idea. Love this idea to about halfway through the book being like, oh, everything is figure outable. <laughs> Like starting, starting like really trying to be like, okay, like I don't already know this. I'm like, oh, this is, yes, this is something I believe in. Oh yes, I have a podcast episode, something similar to about halfway through legitimately crying. Like, like, like it is figure out, like having this emotional connection to it, to yesterday being at work with a crisis breaking out, a sp- you know, all of this stuff being like, listen guys, everything is figure outable. And so I, I absolutely love that, that I love getting that emotional connection to the phrase, yes. you know, where it takes it to the next level. But if I was going to sum up what I think is like your life's work, like if I was going to create your tombstone, not to be morbid, there's this short line in your book and you say, it's so beautiful, Marie. It's so, oh, it's so freaking beautiful. Don't steal your gift from us. Yes. Do you, do you remember writing that? Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> um, I just, I want to let you talk on that for just a minute as we start to close this up. I don't want to, uh, you know, I want to talk to you forever. I want to res- respect your time, but I just, I feel like uh, the way that you phrased that, it just really shook me and it really hit me because I love almost this accusation of, you know, you know, you have this gift that only you can give. It's this beautiful message that you share. But I mean, it hit me hard when you almost accused me of like, don't you dare steal it. Yes. And I, I liked that. I really, that was Jersey Marie calling me out and I liked it. Yes. You know, he is a firecracker. That one, she absolutely comes out and people love her. So for context, you know, one of my other deep beliefs is that every single one of us is here for a reason, you know, whether it's God, the universe source, Smurf fairies, whatever you believe in, it doesn't matter. But that source didn't make any extra people. There is only one of you that exists in all time, meaning there never has been, nor will there ever be another you. Someone with your exact DNA coding, even twins, science has discovered, do not have the exact DNA coding. So you have a unique genius that is embedded in your soul at this moment in time with your gifts, your talents, your perspective, your history, and your desires. And if you don't do everything that you can in this moment to share those gifts, whether that's the gift of making a meal, creating a garden, being the best parent you can be, creating a business, 
business, being the best employee or part of a team. It doesn't matter. If you don't do everything you can to share those things, you are stealing from those who need you most. And so I think the understanding that each of us is valuable and worthy and that we're a one-time mega event in the damn universe is what we have to keep in mind. It's what we have to keep in mind when we wake up and our minds start to say, well, does it really matter? Or I'm tired or no one cares anyway. Yes, they do. And to respect and honor the gifts that you've been given and to turn that light outward and to share it with others and to realize that you really are stealing from those if you stay quiet, if you stay small. It's one of the best perspectives that I think we can carry to support us through this beautiful and awesome and heartbreaking adventure called life. That's absolutely so beautiful. I love that. And I mean, I just really think that it's kind of, I mean, I feel like we've, I mean, you know, not to compliment, uh, you know, me, but to compliment us, Marie, I feel like... Do it. Don't be afraid of it. Self-love is a good thing. I would say self-congratulation is a hallmark of Allison, but I feel like we've created um, a beautiful story arc with this idea of following your intuition. How do you follow your intuition? How do you tap into that intuition? Okay, I followed my intuition. Now what do I do? How do I maintain that perspective? Perspective is what's going to keep us from inaction. Perspective is what's going to keep us from spiraling. And then your book is full of so many beautiful ways to not only learn how to follow your your intuition, but then to also gain more perspective. And then now I always, I love to have the existential crisis. That's basically everything I like to do is why, but why? Why should we follow our intuition? Why should we keep the perspective? Because you're stealing your gift from the world. And back to that idea of perspective. I mean, if nothing else, it's freaking our privilege. Like it's a privilege. Yeah. And I have to, it's like holding ourselves accountable accountable with that privilege is I'm in this the same scenario as you right this this white woman uh, on the planet not to hold not to be harsh to myself but like how dare I not hold myself accountable to to sharing that gift and I think I think that is so so beautiful and Thank you so much for for everything you're doing. Thank you for showing up every freaking grueling day. And the other thing I love about you so much, Marie, that you've been such an amazing example to me is I wanted to share a message. I wanted a platform and I built that and I created it and then realized I have this entrepreneurial spirit in me. I've always started my own businesses, but like what it takes to actually create that business, um, it was very it was very easy to start to feel like like the the air humping and the shimmying and the flat like all of the other parts of my personality that can seem like a, a joke to someone where I'm like no I'm dead serious about building an empire and to, and to have you modeling that of say, staying so true to yourself going at your own pace and going at your own timeline I just really appreciate that so much your your abundance and how you share and share transparently it's so needed and I really appreciate it you're so beautiful thank oh. you so much thank you Allison and thanks for everyone yeah. for sharing your time with us today for anyone listening just to adopt that phrase for yourself that everything really is figure outable. And when you find yourself, you know, when the shiitake hits the fan, so to speak, and you're just on your knees and you don't know what's going on and you don't know how to move ahead, just say that phrase to yourself, say it out loud, and then take that next step. And you will astound yourself with your strength and your perseverance and your possibility. 
I absolutely love that. Marie, one thing I like to do, and I know that this is, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I know you can do it, is I like to play just a snippet of a song that when you're trying to amp yourself up for everything is figure outable, you know, you're trying to amp yourself up to face the day. What is like a good pump up anthem that you like to play? Oh, well, you know what? Um, here's the deal. This is not necessarily something I play all the time, but this is something I just heard. I was at the most gorgeous little, um, pizzeria on Friday night in New York city that Josh and I have been wanting to try for so long. And it's called, um, song de Napoli. We were just in Naples a few weeks ago. And this is the song Mm. that I think it brought such a smile to my face. Allison, do you remember? And this is going to, we're going to take it back. We want to take it way back. So the song is, I like to move it, move it. I like yes. to move it, move it. And I just watched everyone in this restaurant go like, what the hell's going on? Because a minute before they were playing like Frank Sinatra and then they turned up the music so loud. People started laughing and dancing because it was sheer ridiculousness, right? No one yeah. was taking themselves seriously. People were pulling out their phones. I was just watching these families of, you know, folks in their sixties and seventies, like getting up out of their seats and shaking their asses. And I was like, <laughs> this is awesome. So while it's not the most current hit, it's not on the top 40, we're not talking about Drizzy or Lizzo or, you know, Bad Girl Fury, I think if you want to laugh and you want to just get yourself pumped up and just be ridiculous, I think playing at least one round of I Like to Move It, Move It can't hurt. I mean, it's science, right? Because the physiology. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Guys, this is research. I mean, come on. There's evidence for this. That's my other favorite thing to do is make outlandish claims and say, it's science. So, But it is. It is. is. Freaking everything is figure outable. Marie Forleo. Marie, after uh, I will continue to go on and just sell the book. We're going to release this the week of um, the week that your book releases. Thank you so very much. You're an absolute. I just thank you so much for taking the time today. Well, how did you feel about that, I Eric? felt like it was so great. Marie is so wise. She, re- she really is, and she's so fun. And honestly, again, it was just such a privilege to get to talk to her. So thank you so much to Marie. You're going to want to find her on Instagram at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, Forleo, F-O-R-L-E-O. Find her on Instagram and get the woman's book. It's such a huge thing when you buy someone's book and support them. And if you liked listening to Marie, I absolutely guarantee you're gonna love the book. It is my getting bookie with it. Na 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 recommendation. I also want to remind you, it's that three-day blitz for Allison's Build an Awesome Brand workshop. You guys know I only bring up my crap when it's really, really important. And you know what? It's not crap. It's freaking life-changing. And even if you're not sure what you want to do, but you feel called to do something, people get so much clarity at this workshop and so much direction. And also people who are in the $10 million business range show up and get a renewed sense of purpose and um, just absolutely love it. We want you there. There's a place for you, but you're going to have to get your ticket quick. Eric, do you know something? We are getting close to episode 100. Yeah. We are so excited and I have a, something a little special planned. 
Do you know? Yeah, you told me. So what I want is I want to know, yes, you, Awesome Empire, I'm talking to you. I want to know what you do when you don't feel awesome. I want to know what you do to help yourself feel a little more awesome than you did before. We're going to be reaching out to friends, but we also want to hear from our awesome empire, and we want it on a voice memo recording, and we're going to pick some of our favorite ones and share them on our 100th episode. Is that exciting? Yeah. What, what are the parameters? How long do you want them to record? Um, I, mean, I want it to be under 60 seconds, like 60 to 90 seconds max. Mm-hmm. And then you can just do a voice memo on your phone. Try to do it in like a quiet place because if it's horrible audio, we won't be able to use it. And then email that to awesomewithallison at theallisonshow.com. If we choose your advice, we'll send you like a little goodie and you'll get to be on the podcast. So when you send us your voice recording, say your name say where you live and tell us what you do when you're not feeling awesome something that helps you out that could help other people too and then it will just be a whole episode of people sharing how they feel a little more awesome sounds good I'm really excited about yeah, it that'd be cool um, something that always makes me feel awesome is our reviews Eric do you have a review for us I do this is a great one this is from the H bug they say I've been listening to this podcast for a while and have always loved it but the last few episodes have really been life-changing for me I got brave got out there and made some new friends this week, and I've decided to take more small steps toward my long-time goal of writing a children's book. Allison, Eric, and their guests are so inspiring, and most importantly, they've helped me realize I really am awesome. Sometimes I fall into the trap of thinking I'm not worthy of feeling awesome because I didn't accomplish enough that day. Mm. But this podcast has helped me understand that my awesomeness doesn't come from my accomplishments. It comes from who I am. Thanks, guys. She's crying. She's crying. Honestly, I don't think anything could mean more to me than that understanding People being um, helped with the understanding that your awesomeness doesn't come from what you're doing and from what you're achieving. Marie is an com- incredibly accomplished person. I talk about the Il- a Build an Awesome Brand workshop because I love doing what I feel called to do, but never for a minute should we confuse that with our worth and with our value. Our worth and value is just inherent. It's just within us. And all of the things we go out there and do, they're just icing on the cake. And they just make life beautiful, but they don't make us valuable. And so thank you so much for that review. Be sure to shoot us. I'm going to stop like crying about it, but be sure to shoot us an email at awesomewithallison at theallisonshow.com, Allison with one O, and we will get you some goodies. We appreciate it so much. You guys are doing such a good job. You're showing up. You're listening to crap to help you feel better. And September is a good month. September is your month. I almost feel like September is like the start of a new year for me. It's never too late to have an awesome year, even in September. I love September. Mark Kozalek, singer of Sun Kill Moon, calls it the month of in-betweens. I love that. And you love Mark Kozalek. I do. All right. I want to remind you that only you can be you, and you are already as awesome as you need to be. Eric, what are you going to take us out on? This song is called City Kid in a new collection called Big Sky. We just revamped our website. It is state-of-the-art it's incredible it's unbelievable he is you guys he is so excited he is just up and up and up showing me every little part of it so please go check out his new website and tell him how much you like it pleasantpictures.club yeah you can find high-end music for your content and use code awesome with eric for 20 percent off this is city kid